Hey friends, you know every once in a while you run into an organization and you think, man, these people really love the church. Well, I have bumped into the, our friends at CDF Capital for the last couple of years, and I can tell you they are those people. They're part of a movement that is helping churches and church leaders bring the light of Jesus to the world through their capital. While they're best known for church loans and investments, they're humble folks who serve along servant leaders like you who want to see the good news of Jesus shared with those who need it most. Through this incredible co collaboration between them and leaders like you, they develop spiritual capital through prayer and connecting, leadership capital through cohorts and coaching, and then financial capital through investments and loans. Listen, I would love for you to reach out and talk to CDF Capital. You know why? Because there's so much more than money. It's so much more than just metrics. It's more than just you and me. It's ultimately about ministry and about Jesus. They're CDF Capital. They're way more than just a lender. They're way more than just a place for your church to put your investment funds. Listen, what I want you to do is I want you to sign up to learn more about CDF Capital and how they can help your church. And when you do this, you're going to re receive a 50% discount on a monthly subscription to the C CDF Capital subscribe and save bundle. And you can get this at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Again, I love these guys. They're here to help you in so many different ways. cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. I want to thank them for being our premier sponsor and for today's episode as well. cdf.capital forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Super excited for today. You know, we every week try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you. And that's our goal every week. But this week, I know that's going to happen. We've got my friend Jeff Henderson. He's an entrepreneur, speaker, pastor, business leader, a really incredible leader. For 17 years, he led three of North Point Ministries uh, campuses in the in the greater Hotlanta region. I'm sure it's Hotlanta this time of year. Uh, and it, he's also has been really helping churches, organization, businesses wrestle with this whole idea of what do they want to be known for and how do we action that? Uh, he leads and, and that all has taken the kind of current uh, kind of framework of an organization called The Four Company. He really helps organizations really build a good name where, uh, where purpose and profit grow together. Jeff, welcome to the show. So glad that you're here today. Rich, it's great to see you again, buddy. Thanks for having me on. And um, Big fan of yours and just appreciate, you know, we've known each other for a number of years now, so excited to see what the Lord yes. continues to do through you. Yeah, Jeff's one of those guys that I consistently find myself quoting things that he said 20 years ago. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because you're on the phone. I are on the call. I literally, there are times where I was in a conversation this week talking about, of all things, multi-site. And it was like the classic campus versus, you know, central discussion. And literally 20 years ago, you had a car. I was standing with you uh, at the, at the uh, I like to call it the grocery store location of Buckhead. And you said something that I just keep resonating and I keep repeating. And I said, well, my friend Jeff Henderson said this 20 years ago. So it's still true or maybe not 20, quite 20 years ago, a long time ago. So 
I'm glad you're here. But talk to, to fill out the picture. Tell us a bit more, like kind of for people that don't know you. Tell us a little bit more about who is Jeff and anything I missed there. No, that was great. Well, I, you know, I'm a preacher's kid, so I promised myself I would never ever work at a church. So <laughs> that didn't work out. In fact, I, I promised God, God, I'll never work at a church. So. Nice. If, uh, if we don't get anything out of what I say today, never tell God you're never going to do something. So I really, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was a marketing guy, business guy. I was, you know, mm-hmm. I, I love sports and I didn't know that you could do sports marketing. So I started working for the Atlanta Braves uh, mm-hmm. baseball team here in Atlanta and then worked for another, another a few other organizations, then landed at Chick-fil-A and managed their sponsorship, sports marketing, mm-hmm. regional marketing, beverage marketing. And never thought I would ever, ever leave. But we were involved, very heavily involved at North Point. And long story short, God just called us to leave that and to help start the church you mentioned, uh, Buckhead Church. Mm-hmm. In the early, early days, we just kind of jumped on board and um, eventually became lead pastor and was there for eight years. And then uh, was asked to leave that to go start two other North Point campuses in a, a northern suburb of Atlanta called Gwinnett. My wife, Wendy, and I are from Gwinnett County. My dad mm-hmm. pastor. So to be able to do that um, was just so much fun. So we did that for, was at North Point for 17 years. But when we were there at Gwinnett, we began to ask a lot of the questions that I was taught and trained in um, Mm -hmm. from a marketing background, which is, what do you want to be known for? And Mm -hmm. we, in the early, early days of, of Gwinnett Church, we, you know, discovered or kind of stumbled on this reality that for many people, they're more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the Mm -hmm. church is for. And Mm -hmm. that was both both broke our hearts and also excited us to go, you know, in our community, let's try to change that. And so that's when we launched for Gwinnett and, and it really began to take off. And, and then about two to three years into that rich, I came into the office one day and I got a coffee mug from a a church somewhere in in Winnipeg that said for Winnipeg and, you know, and as a thank you note, and I thought, Oh my goodness, people are paying attention to this. And so, um, it just began to kind of spread like wildfire around, really around the world. And then businesses started to do it. And then when we became empty nesters in the spring of 2020, Wendy and I felt like this was a season that we could now be released from day-to-day church work and to really go help other churches and businesses really clarify what they want to be known for. Um, and the two questions kind of that we built the whole framework around. And so that's what I've been doing for the last 20 some odd months. And uh, so I'm you know, I have, I think I do this rich. I think every six to seven years I go do something new. <laughs> so right, I, right. I don't know if I recommend that, but that's kind of my track. <laughs> that's what's happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love it. You work for a hashtag. That's what I love it. It's like you work that's for the right. four, you know, city in the world, uh, hashtag, which is incredible. And it is amazing. It's actually been fun to see as that has spread. So many churches have embraced this idea of, Hey, we want to be known for something. Uh, which I just think is great. What a cool thing that you're stewarding. Now you talk about these two questions uh, that you built the whole framework around. What are those two questions that when, when we're thinking about this idea of being for? Absolutely. Well, question number one is what do you want to be known for? What is your, your what is your vision? And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be, you know, for Gwinnett like ours was, mm-hmm. Give me whatever it is, but what is, you know, Steve Jobs would say, what is your dent in the universe? What mm. Andy Stanley would say, what do you bring uniquely different to the marketplace? Mm-hmm. That's your vision. So that's question number one. Question number two is not yours, but it's your, that your customers or the people that you're trying to serve. It's their question to answer. And question mm-hmm. number two is, what are you known for? What mm-hmm. are you known for? So question number one is, what do you want to be known for? Question number two is, what are you known for? Mm-hmm. Here's the power of those two questions, Rich. When the answers to those two questions match, when they're the same, when what you want to be known for 
is actually what you're known for. You create vision carriers for your organization. They carry mm. your vision to their friends and they say, you should, you've got to try out this church or you got to come to this restaurant or you got to work at this company. And they become your vision carriers. And the reason that's true, let's just talk about business. This is true for churches, but we'll just put it mm. in business language. A business is no longer what it tells customers it is. A business is what customers tell other customers it is. Mm. That's the ballgame. Mm. And, um, you know, f- f- my experience in launching, not just in the business world, but launching three churches in Atlanta, if you were to say, Jeff, we'll give you, you know, $50,000 to launch the coolest website and social media campaign, which would be cool. Mm-hmm. Or I'll give you a hundred people that will tell people and invite people to your church and what you're doing. You can't have both. You can only have one. I'll take those a hundred people every single time. Now that's not to mm-hmm. say we shouldn't do websites and social media and all that. We should, mm-hmm. but um, we all know this, this is true for church or businesses. The most powerful form of advertising, if you will, is positive word of mouth advertising. Mm-hmm. And I know in church world, we don't like the words advertising and marketing and, and I get all that, but from my perspective, it's just simply people that can communicate your vision and can tell people mm-hmm. about it because mm-hmm. the language of organizations are so under the value of that is so underestimated because when you ask people, Hey, what do you want? What do you think this organization wants to be known for when there are glazed looks, when they go have to go to the filing cabinet or their computer to pull it up on something that we came you know, came up with <laughs> eight, seven years ago then suddenly your vision's not portable. And if it's not portable, mm. portable, it's not memorable. And if it's not memorable, it's not personable. And so that's why these, these two questions have been really, really helpful for, mm. for, and for organizations. And it's really, really simple. People go, that's really, really simple. Absolutely. But don't equate simple with easy. It's actually- Yes, yes. Because in any organization, I don't care how great it is, there is a gap between what they mm-hmm. want to be known for and what they are known for. And so what we try to do is to teach them how to close the gap. Once you have clarity mm-hmm. on what you want to be known for, and then once you have some research or data or some understanding of what you are known for, you got to get to work closing the gap. But the great thing about that is when you have that clarity in an organization, um, the organization understands it and we're all moving on purpose. But if Love there's it. confusion, if there's confusion about this in at the office, um, if there's confusion in the office space, there will be confusion in the marketplace about what you want to be known for. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's it. what we've been teaching churches and organizations. And this is something that I didn't come up with like three weeks ago, Rich. This is something <laughs> that, like like a mentor of mine said. You know, I was telling him, man, I've been so fortunate. You know, Chick Fil A is a multi billion dollar company. They've had same store sales increases for you know decades now. Yeah. I worked at North Point, one of the largest mm-hmm. churches in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how that's such a big blessing. And he goes, well, mm-hmm. it's a blessing, but it's also a stewardship, you know, responsibility. Mm-hmm. What did oh, you learn that catalyzed that growth? Because you were on the front line of both of those. Mm-hmm. Tell us what mm-hmm. you learned. And I thought, mm-hmm. and that's, that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. I'm like, oh, that's a great point. So it really kind of came down to both of those organizations were really clear about what they wanted to be known for. They had measurement systems and practices about, you know, where the gaps were and they went to work. Love it. Let's talk about that first question around being uniquely different, particularly in a church context. I think that's an an interesting idea that maybe some of us can struggle with, right? It's like, how do we define what is uniquely different about us? What, what kind of processes do churches need to go through? What does that look like to actually try to begin to, to flesh that out? So many church mission statements are the same. It's like, we want to reach and teach people for Jesus. We want to, uh, you know, win and build the lost or whatever. Like we come up with the same stuff, but 
but talk to us about this uniquely different thing. What does that look like? I think it goes back to what is the problem that you've been gathered together to solve? What is that problem? Mm. Every organization, business, church needs to be solving a problem. Mm. And for me, what, what drew me away from the business world to North Point is when I, I heard Andy Stanley say, hey, Atlanta doesn't need another church. Atlanta needs right. a different kind of church. Mm-hmm. Atlanta needs a church where you could invite your unchurched friends to, and they could attend and begin a relationship with Jesus. And we all know what our li- the difference our lives would have been if we had grown up in a church like this. Now, that's not to say that everybody resonates with that kind of vision, but it resonated with me. It resonated with Wendy, and it resonated us, with us so much that we were take, <laughs> willing to take a huge pay cut to go and be a part of, you know, this is back in the day with video church. It was like, what? The church, the preachers on video, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. So it was all this big experiment idea, but what wasn't, it wasn't video church that we were going to. That was just the mechanism. What was, what we were going to was, Hey, Atlanta doesn't need another church. Atlanta needs a different kind of church that's focused on unchurched people. Now, again, that may not be, you know, your, your listeners, they may say, that's not what resonates with me. Okay. That's cool. Well, then what is the problem you've been gathered together to solve? Um, and that's why for us, for Gwinnett tied directly into the vision of North Point to create churches unchurched people love, because we wanted to add, we just, we felt like when Jesus people show up, the community should get better. When mm. we go to work, when we go to school, when we go to restaurants, when we go into the community, we just want everybody to go, I'm so glad these Jesus people are here. I'm not sure I believe in everything <laughs> they believe in, right. but man. And what is it about our community that they're just so, they just, I'm so glad they're here. I'm so glad that church is here. In fact, I, in the early days of Gwinnett Church, I had this, this this statement, Rich, where I would say, you know, if we ever decided to go out of business as a Gwinnett mm. Church, my hope is that the community would rise up and protest and go, mm. you can't go out of business. If you go out of business, we all lose. Mm. And I just, I mean, imagine if that were the case in every community around the world. And part of mm-hmm. our vision for the four company is we would like to have a four-minded church in every community. That doesn't mean that every church has to be, you know, mm-hmm. for their community. I th- personally think they should, but that may not be <laughs> you know, yes. unique, unique vision. Yep. But I think it goes back to, you know, what breaks your heart? What's the mm-hmm. problem gathered together to solve? And mm-hmm. this whole idea that Atlanta didn't need another church, Atlanta needed a church for unchurched people, that just broke our hearts in, in a really good way and, mm-hmm. and compelling. So again, Love it doesn't it. have to be that vision, but what is what is that unique vision for your, for your organization? I mean, at Chick-fil-A, they want to be the world's most caring company. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with chicken. Right. It, chicken right. is just uh, a mechanism to draw people in, but and the and, and you know their goal is to be the world's most caring company. Is there a gap? There's a gap in any organization, but mm. everybody knows that, and that's part of the trick. You mm. know, I work with so many. One of the things I do, Rich, is when I go work with organizations, I'll I'll hand mm. out pieces of paper and say, "Hey, I want you to write down what you think this organization wants to be known for. Don't say it out loud. Just write it down." Oh, nice, collect, love it. I collect the pieces of paper and then read the answers out loud. And more often than than not the answers are so different and the room gets really quiet and right. we begin to realize, see, this is what we have to, we've got some work to do because if the leadership mm-hmm. team isn't clear about what we want to be known for, then the mm-hmm. people outside of this room certainly aren't. And this is, you know, this is why companies, there's a 
huge wave coming right now. We all mm -hmm. have been through the pandemic, mm -hmm. but the sandemic is coming. Mm -hmm. And pandemic means with all people. Yep. Sandemic means without people, meaning mm -hmm. that um, especially in corporate, you know, corporate world right now. There's a there's the war on the war of talent. People mm -hmm. are looking for great people to. And let me just speak in America language, mm -hmm. just as a, in a, for example. In America, we have a shrinking population. Mm -hmm. There are more eighty year olds than two year olds for the first time ever. And if you fast track that about fifteen years from now, mm -hmm. um, there's there's going to be a war on trying to find people and go, hey right. we have to say we've got a great culture over here come work for us we promise mm -hmm. you that we're going to have we're going it's going to be a great place to work well one of the ways you do that is you got to get ahead of that and you got to get really crystal clear about what you want to be known for so that mm -hmm. you can create a culture that attracts the right people for mm -hmm. the vision that you have so this isn't just some nice sweet little thing to do this is a strategy for the future that that unless you, if you don't jump on board in terms of trying to really clarify this, you right. could look up and you could have a lot of work, a lot of opportunities and no one or very few people to join you in the mission. Right. I love it. You know, I, years ago, I had a, a friend of mine, we were talking similarly talking about our church and he cast a vision for the value of our campuses to the communities they're in. He said, you know, what would be amazing is if someday it, w our church got to the point where when the, when the community found out that we were looking at launching in that location, and we finally said, we're going to launch a location. If the house values, the housing values of that community went up because people so valued the fact that our church was there, that actually would be reflected in real estate costs. And I was like, wow, that is a massive vision for for the difference that our churches could make. Uh, just love that. Well, the second question I find uh, fascinating, kind of what are we known for? I feel like so many of us, we we live in ivory towers. We're like, we we get into our little groups that we're, we, we think we all know what we are supposed to be about. And like we, and that's a humbling example of like, maybe we don't even know that, but I feel like most of us who are listening and are like, oh yeah, yeah, we all know, we all know. How do we find out what we're actually known for in our community? So, you know, we're, we're a church of a thousand people, you know, we're uh, in our community. How do we figure out what do people in our community think about us? You need to go ask them. You need to be out sure. there and you know, you can do everything we would, I mean, I'm not saying this is a great idea, but we would actually pay people. We would find them on Craigslist and pay them $25 to come to our church just to give us feedback on what they experienced. Yep. Uh, we would, I would make sure that our staff meetings and our leadership team meetings, we were meeting in the community just mm. as often as we were meeting at our offices. My concern mm. was that if we go to church Every, and we're all in meetings and we're, we're all there. We could, we could isolate ourselves from the community and not understand mm -hmm. um, who are we actually trying to serve. And so right. with our social media accounts, we would make sure that every third or fourth post would be more about the community, would be something about mm -hmm. the community and not about us. Oh, that's good. That forced us to go out into the business community and introduce ourselves to business leaders and say, Hey, would mm -hmm. you let, would you be okay if we featured your business on our Instagram page? Love it. And they're like, well, how much does this cost? And we would say, it doesn't cost anything. Right. Um, well, do we need to come to, do you want us to put flyers in your, about your church and our restaurant or business? No, you don't have to do that. 
And then they would look at us and go, well, then why are you doing this? This doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And I'm like, well, we, we're for our community and we believe one of the ways that our organization, the one of the ways our community gets better is to have thriving businesses. So we forced ourselves to get out and have personal interactions with, with, with people. And then we mm-hmm. would do research um, mm-hmm. just to ask that, ask that question. So you could mm-hmm. have anecdotal that can give you a pulse of how you're, you're, you're reading, and then you can mm-hmm. have you know, hard, hard data. Um, Love it. But, but the challenge with that is, you know, when you ask these questions, it requires courage mm-hmm. and it requires a thick skin, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's you're, you're, you're picking up the rock and looking at all the squiggly things underneath <laughs> it. And, yeah. um, and so you have to give yourself some grace and you have to mm-hmm. give yourself the understanding that, hey, I'm asking some tough questions. I'm asking, how do we get better and how do we shrink the gap right. between what we right. want to be known for, and what we are known for? And don't take it personally if you actually get some feedback that we've got some work to do. So we shouldn't right. be surprised by that. And yeah. so, um, so, but you got to go out there and ask, but you have to put yourself it's, it's much very, it's very similar to, you know, as, as, as Christ followers, if we're not careful, we can look up and the only people that we know are other Christ followers. And mm-hmm. you have to be so intentional true. about putting yourself out into the community and, and rubbing shoulders with people who, who may not ever come to your church, but mm-hmm. you're learning from them and you're just adding value to them. And so many of the business leaders that we featured, I mean, some of them would start attending in our church and many of them didn't, but that's okay. Because we still want to add value. It goes back to you know, our church is adding value whether you show up on the, at the mm. or not. And that's why when COVID hit, and I was, I was still lead pastor at Gwinnett Church to this time, mm-hmm. I just got our team together and said, hey, here's the cool deal. We just got to keep doing what we're doing. Because what we were right. doing was what we should have been doing all along, which is telling the mm. community, hey, you don't have to come to this building. Uh, right. We're still for you. Let's just pour fuel on what we're already, already mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why, you know, any, any time there's a crisis like this in history, mm-hmm. there are as hard as it is, I'm not trying to downplay the, the tragedy of what we've been through, but there mm-hmm. is a glimmer of possibility of hope. Right. And that's what this, I think, has provided the church. There is an opportunity for us to rethink things in a really positive way. Yeah, I love it. You know, one of the things I've done, you know, multiple times when I've out at a church for a weekend or doing some, you know, coaching or whatever, uh, then you could do this listeners is all like pop into a gas station. That's close to the church. I don't pick up a thing of gum or something, or, you know, some mints and I'll say like, hey, I'm new, new to town. You know, what's, tell me about that church over there. Like, what, what do you know about that church around the corner? And then just listen. And, and, and it's, it can be humbling, you know, it can be, it's great as the outside guy to say like, well, this is what I heard. I know multiple times I've, uh, when I've shared what I've heard that that's, it's humbling for the leadership team. Cause oftentimes it, I would say the common thing, having done that at, I don't know, a dozen churches over the years has been actually a, like, I don't actually know anything about that church. Like I, I actually know very little, like, I'm like, I see people there, but I don't, you know, I don't really know anything. Um, it's not that it's negative; it's just kind of neutral, which obviously is a, is a form of negative. Now, you mentioned the the pandemic and kind of we're I don't know what phase of the pandemic we're in post pandemic, intra pandemic. <laughs> we're in this. Who knows, right? It's like I, I I always think like, well, maybe we're stepping out of it, but you just never know. But you know, when we think about all these things, what do I want to be known for as a as a person? Where where am I spending my time? That feels like a very 
that feels like a question of the day with people today. It feels like the kind of thing that folks are wrestling with. I know we've been talking about it organizationally, but have, have you bumped into people who are wrestling with these kind of questions even personally? Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's the the premise of the book or the subtitle of the book was a growth strategy for work, but an even better mm-hmm. strategy for life. Because these two mm-hmm. questions, what do you want to be known for and what are you known for are just as important and just as effective and maybe actually more important and more effective for, mm-hmm. for you and me and for our listeners personally. What do you want to be known for as a as a dad or a husband or as a leader, as a follower, as a financial mm-hmm. steward? What is that? And then what are you known for? Like I could tell you, Rich, man, I want to be known for being an intentional, legacy-leaving, memory-making dad. But you know who you have to go to to see whether I'm actually doing that? <laughs> not me. It's my yes. daughter, Jesse, and my son, Cole. It's, you know, your dad was on the Unseminary podcast telling us how great a dad he was, but you know, <laughs> where, can you give me the real data here? So yes. we, so kind of the next step of this is, is, is there's so many people who've come out of the pandemic and, or to mm-hmm. your point, where are we in the coming out of the pandemic? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But wherever yeah. it, the pandemic has forced people to think, do I like my job? Do I right. like this career? And mm-hmm. so that's why th- this whole thing that's been happening, I think since the fall of 2020, the great resignation, mm-hmm. at least in America, 4 million people every month just quit their jobs or yes. do something yes. else. Yep. And they're waking up every day going, what, what do I do now? And what do mm-hmm. I do next? Mm-hmm. And that can be a paralyzing situation. But for me, I mean, my story was I, in the, you know, the fall of 2020, I made a career move in the middle mm-hmm. of a global pandemic mm-hmm. or whatever the timeline was. <laughs> yes. And we just felt like this was, we'd been talking about this for well over a year and a half. We became empty nesters. It was going to be a new season for us. Mm-hmm. We actually were going to leave in, in May of 2020, but with when the pandemic hit, we extended that out for, for a few more mm-hmm. months. Um, until we just had to, to make this, make this leave. But a lot of people have asked me, how did you figure that out? And how did you figure out what to do next? And, you know, and that's been kind of my track record, leaving Chick-fil-A for Buckhead Church, Buckhead Church, Gwinnett Church, Gwinnett Church to what I'm doing now. And it's been, I got the questions so often that it really just led me to the next book that I wrote, which is simply called what to do next. And I think what happens is, is for people as they're asking these questions, what I want to be known for. And, you know, these, these questions can be so sometimes daunting, intimidating. It's like, I got to figure out the rest of my life. But what mm-hmm. I've been telling people this season is, Hey, here's good news. I got good news and I got good news. The good news is, <laughs> is you don't have to figure out the rest of your life. Right, right. The other good news is you just got to figure out what to do next. And, right. um, and when you do that, one of the best ways that you can understand what you want to be known for is to figure out what to do next. And, and for some people, that, that means to stay a little longer in your current role. Mm-hmm. Um, for others, the greatest risk isn't leaving. For others, the greatest risk is actually staying. Right. You know, you've been in similar situations where you were working yep. at a church and Absolutely. then you decided, you know what? I think this season has come to an end for me. Well, how do you know that? What's how mm-hmm. what's what's mm-hmm. the decision making criteria you use to do that? And and um and so I talk to a lot of people who are suffering silently at on on Zoom calls or in their cubicle or at mm-hmm. home because they're like, I just feel like there's more within me, but I just can't figure out a process of how to figure it out. So mm-hmm. I think that's why these questions of what you want to be known for and then what do I do next? They really go hand in hand. And if you can mm-hmm. make a, you know, 
the best wise decision possible in terms of what your next is, then you keep moving. One of the things that that helped me so much early on in this new season is Mm -hmm. I was speaking at a conference with John Maxwell, who's a, you know, Mm -hmm. the leadership guru and he's written like 90 books on leadership. (laughs) Yes. He's a mentor and role model of mine. And and so I was Mm -hmm. speaking at this conference and he spoke first and he said, Hey, I never had a clear vision. I just kept moving forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's oh, good. Goodness. I mean, I get, I get it that I don't have a clear vision, but John Maxwell didn't have a clear vision and he yes, just kept yes. moving forward. And yeah. that's one of the things I've been doing in these last 20 months is I just have kept moving forward and, and, right, right. and, uh, and just kind of making it up somewhat as, as mm-hmm. I go along. And, uh, and I think that's freeing for people when they go, I don't yeah. have to figure out the rest of my life. I just need to figure out what's next. And even when I, when I figured out that next move, I just got to keep moving. Yeah. And I, I, you hear that a lot actually from leaders that, that it's like in hindsight, it's like, I, it all kind of fits together, but it's not like I planned 25 years ago that this is where I would end up. It's like, we kept taking steps forward and kind of, they all, it kind of evolved one to the next as people are wrestling with, um, you know, this decision, they're kind of in their stuff, they're where they are today. They're, they're wrestling, they're thinking, Hmm, maybe, maybe this is the time for me to step out and try something new. What do, what do you think the the fear around inaction is? So, or, or maybe indecision. It's like the, why does it feel good to be in that middle zone where people are like, Oh, I'm not sure. And then we just kind of are brewing in that. Cause I, it, it's, I feel like I run into people who are in that all the time, who are in this kind of like they're, they're one foot in one foot out. Um, you know, why is that? Why do, why do humans like that? Or why, do, why, why are we, why are we stuck in that spot? I think it's because we've never been taught how to manage risk in our lives personally. Mm. We've, we've been taught how to manage risk like financially or manage risk by getting life insurance, mm, uh, right. we manage risk by getting car insurance, but there's no such thing as career insurance necessarily. Yes. And so, um, what, what happens is, is your level of comfort as it relates to risk often dictates whether or not you're going to, you're willing to make a move. Mm. And, and, and sometimes you can be too comfortable with risk. Right. And if you're too comfortable with risk, that's not good. Mm-hmm. But if you're not comfortable with risk at all, that's not good either. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're trying to do many times is we're trying to eliminate risk. And what I've discovered in a move like this, you cannot eliminate risk, but you can right. reduce it. Mm. You can, you can reduce it. You can shrink mm-hmm. it. So what I wanted to do in this, you know, in any career move that I've had, I've never wanted it to be like I'm leaping across the Grand Canyon. Right. What I wanted to, I, what I wanted to do is I've got risk. I can't eliminate it, but it's kind of like I'm jumping over a mud puddle. Mm. I might get wet, I might get muddy and it won't, you know, it won't be fun, but at least I'm not plunging thousands of feet below. Mm. And, and so what I wanted to do in this new book is how can you shrink the gap from the Grand Canyon to a mud puddle so that if you do make the leap, you, 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 you get wet. And the other Mm. thing is, is that you'll never truly know what can be put in your hands until you let go, but letting Mm. go is hard. Mm. Um, For example, Yesterday, I was in a meeting of a client that wasn't a client of mine 20 months ago. I didn't even know I would be actually doing what I was doing yesterday for them. Um, And I never would have stumbled across that unless I had let go. But the other thing that I've realized about this is that um, the path to your dream job often leads through your day job. 
Mm, what I mean by that is good. your your past experience, your strengths, your giftings, they're all clues about what mm. your future is. For example, the meeting that I was in yesterday, I was coaching communicators. Well, mm. communication has been a part of my background from the very beginning. Right. So I'm not going to go coach musicians because mm. that's not in my background, <laughs> right? I, right? I don't know right. how to play anything. I don't know how to sing. But mm-hmm. I do know how to coach communicators. And so that that understanding of my background, my day job, my, my, my experience, my gifting, my talent, it's all clues to pay attention to, to figure out what's next. And so Love I think for someone who might be dissatisfied with where they are, I think they got to find out what their strengths are. They got to find out uh, how can they shrink the gap? One of the ways that you have to shrink the gap is to get a little bit of a financial runway. Mm-hmm. I mean, how 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 long could you go without taking a paycheck? Is it a month? Mm-hmm. Is it two weeks? Is it six months? I mean, mm-hmm. build up uh, some financial margin that that will allow you to explore. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would highly recommend, Rich, is side hustles. Mm-hmm. You know, people you know, because of my Chick Fil A background, people ask me, "Hey, Jeff." do you think I should be a Chick-fil-A operator? That sounds like a pretty cool job. And my response is, I don't know, but I know how you mm. can find out. You should go down to your local Chick-fil-A and apply for a part-time job. Right. And if you don't like the part-time job there, you're certainly not going <laughs> to like the role of being a full-time operator where your yes. whole livelihood depends on this. Yes. But if you enjoy it and you fall in love with the business, that's good. Well, that's what a side hustle can do. A side right. hustle is you keep your day job, but you're working on the side. And a lot of people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Well, okay, but understand yes. you either can be frustrated or you can actually do something about it. That's the whole John Maxwell keep moving forward. It's it's much similar right. to very similar to one time when I had a cold, Rich, and I kept complaining mm-hmm. to my wife, like, I got a cold, I got a cold. And when he's like, You should go to the doctor. I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna go to the doctor. So I kept complaining. And finally she's like, Hey Jeff, I love you, but if you're not going to go to the doctor, <laughs> you forfeit the right to complain that you have a cold, right? I've so, had the same conversation with my wife. <laughs> it, it's usually a husband kind of a thing, right? We're yes, just not yes. Go to the doctor. Well, when I hear people complain about their job or where they are, and I'm like, okay, do you want to do a side hustle? Have you created some financial margin? Do you know what your strengths are? Have you, you know, the other thing we could talk about is building your network of contacts. Right, and right. There's a lot of stuff that you could do. There's a ton you could do. If you say, Jeff, I'm not going to do any of that. Okay. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But you forfeit the right to complain about your job any longer. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. And so there are some things that you can do. It will take a little bit longer probably than you think. Sometimes yep. it won't. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes you start working on things and they just kind of pop out of you know clear blue sky. And I think that's the God factor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, but if it. people are wrestling with that, that's one, that's one of the reasons that it's basically a field guide. My field guide that I've worked used the last 20 some odd years about how to make the career decisions, um, that, that I've made. And, yeah. um, it, but it, it's not for the faint of heart, but yes. neither is staying, neither is staying, yes. you, you know, yeah. so you got to, but, but risk, I think to your, to your great question, Rich, I really think it's, we've never been taught how to manage risk in our personal right. careers. Right. Love it. 
Well, this is so good. So the name of the book is What to Do Next, Next: Taking Your Best Step. Step. Why? My, my words are not working here today when life is uncertain. Uh, obviously available at Amazon. Is there anywhere else we want to send people uh, to pick up a copy of this book? Yes. Well, it's available. Every, well, it will be available everywhere in August. Yes. Yep. Pre-orders now. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I would say this too. Uh, if, if Even before they, they get the book, they could, I have a free career risk assessment it. at, at yeah. jeffhenderson.com. It's, a, it's just called the career risk calculator. Basically what it is, Rich, is it's a series of questions and you get a red light, a yellow light, or a green light. That's Love not it. a pass fail. That's not, yes. it's not any of that. It's like, yep. if you get a red light, it doesn't mean you've failed. What it means mm-hmm. is, is whoa, 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 whoa. Before you take another move, we got some work to do. Yep. Um, if you get a green light, that does not mean you are now required to leave your job. <laughs> it mean it. It's like, okay, you got a green light. You've got some you know, financial margin or whatever, but here are some extra things that you might want to think about before you make the move. So they can, even before the book is out, they can just go to jeffhenderson.com, click on that. And this is just a completely free assessment. But that will give them some clues about what their action items might be to help mm-hmm. figure this out. And even for those who would say, Jeff, I love my job. I'm not even sure I'm ever considering this. I still think it's helpful because you never know what could happen. Right. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love that, friend. So again, go to jeffhenderson.com uh, for that. It'd be a great tool, great thing to do as you're thinking about, even if it's in your, like you say, in your mind, you're kind of wrestling through this. I think that would be a great next step. Jeff, I really appreciate you being here on the show today. Anything you want to say just as we wrap up today's episode, as we kind of close things down? Yes. Rich Birch, you're amazing. That's what I oh, would come say. On. I'm oh, grateful no. for uh, what you're doing for church leaders. And I would say for church leaders and pastors in particular, um, I mean, hey, I, I grew up, I've been in church all my life, uh, but obviously these are challenging, challenging days. Don't forget that the grace of Jesus that you preach about is also available to you. Don't mm, so good. also, don't hide. You need to have someone who is pastoring you. You need to have someone that you can share what's truly going on inside of you. Mm. Um, and so fight for that. And, um, you know, that's why we're so glad that you're part of the Unseminary podcast. It's one of the things Rich mm-hmm. is trying to do. So um, God mm-hmm. loves you. And just don't forget that the same grace that you're preaching about is available to you as well. Love it. Thanks so much. So we want to send people to jeffhenderson.com. Is there anywhere else we want to send them online if they want to track with you? Yeah, you can just go to uh, Instagram or LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. Jeffrey Henderson uh, at Instagram. And uh, and you'll, you'll start to see a lot more as the book starts to come out with a lot of other free resources and stuff. Love it. Thanks so much, Jeff. Appreciate you. Appreciate uh, what you're up to. Thanks for being here on the podcast today. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.